0: My Other Face by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 6 Myra finds her husband dead in the car. I remember those are pearls that were his eyes. Are you alive or not? Is there nothing in your head? T.S. Eliot from the Wasteland. Marder had put the children to bed, and they were sleeping soundly in Weissman's bedroom. She sat with Weissman in the front of a dwindling fire. They were both relaxed and in many ways felt better than they had for years. Over the hours, they had told stories without any inhibitions as the fire burned. All the present difficulties were buried in her mind, and she had even forgotten her anger at Jamie for leaving on his unknown business. "'Oh, yeah, good old Gordon Ellis. "'He gets up in front of the entire school assembly,' said Weissman. "'Gordon is still here? I don't believe it,' laughed Marta, "'her eyes brimming with happiness. "'The man was a jerk! He taught French, "'and if you were good-looking, or on the sports teams, "'you got a good grade. "'And you probably got an A, didn't you?' "'smiled Weissman as he raised his brows. "'An A for good-looking.' Hey, Bernardo, she smiled, opening her brown eyes wide as she tapped him on the shoulder. Now, what did he do? He was in front of the assembly. Right, 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 said Weissman, laughing. Now, picture this. Everyone is there. People from the state, all the students, the townspeople, everyone. Ellis is telling everyone how things are going to change, how the new superintendent has a superb background and how he studied every aspect of the guy's background. He keeps going on and on and on, telling what a great guy this new super is. Brought him in from Kentucky because of his great reputation, great administrator, blah, blah, blah. So he says, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce the man who's going to get things rolling again. Here he is, uh, 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 what's your name now? You're kidding, she howled. He didn't know the guy's name. Not only did he not remember it, but he says into the open mic, Son of a bitch, I really screwed that one up. The place was in hysterics. They all started applauding, and L.S.E. has no class at all. Comes back and waves at the crowd. Oh my God, that's funny. And so typical, I might add, of this town, Bernie. Yep, this place is something else, he said as he steered into the embers getting a little chilly in here I'd be damned if I'm gonna go burn that oil it is chilly I'll get my sweater said Martyr as she got up from the floor oh no I got plenty of wood in the back of the cellar pay the guy for it and I'm gonna use it you uh he said taking her by the shoulders just sit down here by the sofa I'll be right back I want to hear more about the school she smiled as he entered the hallway of the second floor apartment okay okay I got a story about Ricky Johnson remember him oh you mean Goofy Johnson yeah Goofy's the head of the math department oh God help us she said as Weissman went into the kitchen and opened the door that led directly to the cellar Marta leaned back on the sofa pulling back the curtains from the front window the moon was directly overhead now and shined across the weathered gravestones and monuments of the cemetery she looked away past the church and down at the clock tower. It was almost 11.30. We are in God's name is Jamie and what is he doing? Why isn't he here? Bernie and I are having such a good time or maybe it's because he isn't here. Jamie hasn't got Bernie's sense of humor. That could be it. Well, that could be my fault. I don't laugh. I just do my job and complain about things. Tomorrow maybe we can go to the mountains or even go over to the college. Back to the good old days when we had the time, when we laughed, when we went drinking together—such good times. Jamie changed. He changed so much since then, and so has Bernie. But Bernie has the same outlook. Jamie was courageously bringing the car up along the cemetery fence. He we was still laying against the steering wheel, barely conscious and near death. The car moved slowly, not exceeding five miles an hour finally resting at the top of the hill. Jamie looked up at the bright moon as he cut the engine and the car rolled toward the wall of the church. Marta caught sight of the headlights through the curtains. She raised her brows and looked up at the clock tower. She got up and took her time walking down the hallway. She kept a slow pace down the stairs and out to the front porch. But as she stepped into the cold, she could see something was terribly wrong. The headlights shined at an angle toward the church wall and the haze of a smoky radiator and exhaust fumes floated through the light in deadly silence. Then she stepped back. She saw the bullet punctures in the car and the smashed rear window. She ran from the porch steps with her eyes stuck open. Her mind seemed to shatter like a crushed eggshell as she looked inside the driver's window. The bloody figure of her husband lay back against the seat, his blown-apart face hanging in front of her. She lifted her hands to her face as the clock began its incessant tolling. She pulled open the door and Jamie rolled forward from the front seat. Amidst the chiming, he mumbled out almost incoherent words Universal, Radiant, Universal, 12 to 4. He said with his last breath of life, and his face, because of the gaping hole in his jar, appeared to laugh as he fell against the steering wheel. Marta was out of control now, screaming madly as she backed away from her mutilated husband. She turned and ran hysterically around the side of the house for the cellar windows. "'Bernie! Bernie! Help me, Bernie!' She cried as she slipped in the snow and scrambled up toward the window. "'Bernie!' She yelled again. She rushed across the snow toward the bulkhead in the moonlight. The clock bells had stopped tolling as Marta, Out of control, pounded on the metal. Marta! Marta! What the hell's going on out there? Weissman yelled back as he attempted to unlock the doors. Jamie! Jamie! What? What? Where's Jamie? He asked through her screams, but she merely kept calling her husband's name. There's a lock or something on this, Marta. I'm trying to get through here. Wait a minute. It won't budge. I'm going around. Can you hear me, Marta? She didn't answer him directly, but Weissman didn't hesitate. He crossed the cellar and jumped up the stairs that led to the porch. Weissman, who was a few steps up the kitchen staircase, heard the pleas for help. He dropped the wood and crossed the dirt floor to the bulkhead. What the hell's going on out there, Marta? He yelled at her as he attempted to unlock the bulkhead doors. What? What? Where's Jamie? He asked through Jamie, her screams. She Jamie. merely kept calling her husband's name. There's a lock or something on this, Marta! I'm trying to get through! It's no use! It won't budge! I'm going around! Can you hear me, Marta?" She didn't answer him directly, but Weissman didn't hesitate. He crossed the cellar and jumped up the stairs that led to the front porch. As he opened the front door, Marta burst around the side of the house, shrieking uncontrollably. "'My husband! My husband! Where's my husband?' "'What is it, Marta?' asked Weissman as he looked in the front of the house. The street was empty now and all was clear. He held her by the shoulders in order to calm her down. What's going on here, Marta? Dead! Dead! Jamie's dead! What do you mean he's dead? exclaimed Weissman. Where is he? He wanted to know as fear ignited inside his body. Did somebody call you on the phone? There! she said, raising her arms slowly toward the church wall. "'He was there!' she said, turning and weeping into Weissman's chest. "'I don't see anything out there,' said Weissman as it hit him for the first time. Jamie had warned him about her flashes and her deteriorated mental condition. He had almost forgotten that fact during the frivolity upstairs. But there was no evidence of foul play. Weissman also knew that he was still in love with Marta, and those deep feelings clouded anything she might do or say. "'He's dead!' He's dead. They've taken him away. He's dead. I really don't see anything over there, Martyr, said Weissman delicately as one of the neighbors opened the window. Is there anything wrong, Bernie? No, I don't think so. Did you see anything outside in the last few minutes, Mrs. Farippo? we were sleeping. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, called Weissman as she shut the window. I saw him pull up in a car. Right over there, Bernie. He was all shot up!" She tried to explain. Weissman realized that no one had seen a car pull up, and there were no visible witnesses as she claimed that she saw him die before her eyes. Weissman pulled Mata across the road, and she pointed to the exact spot where she had seen the car. He looked under the street light, down the church wall, and scoured the moonlit area just for a trace of evidence, but there was nothing. Weissman walked her back and held her tightly. Mata, you have to tell me. I won't ask again. Was this one of your flashes? No, she said, her mind churning like an unoiled engine. It was real. I know what I saw out there. It wasn't a flash. He's dead, Bernie. Okay, okay, we're going inside before the kids wake up. I'm calling Dan Hastings down here right away. Whatever happened out here is going to be known. You believe me, don't you, Bernie? She asked as if she were a little child. Her old system was becoming traumatized because of this sensational scene she had witnessed in front of the church wall. Ah, yeah, I believe you, said Weissman. He just kept repeating it over and over again within his own mind. And even if he did not logically believe it, his emotions and feelings for her were convincing him that a car had indeed pulled up with her dead husband inside where is he she cried will we find his body dan will find jamie mater he'll find jamie said weissman as he led her toward the porch i want my pills my valium she pleaded as she looked back at the church once again it had not been a manifestation of her mind she was convinced of that keeping her control was another matter she clung on to weissman as he brought her up the stairs he was willing to believe her story but in the light of what she had been through he wondered just how he could convince the skeptical dan hastings that she was telling the truth one of pendleton's men drove the battered rental car down the river road following the other men back to the plant the bullet-laden corpse of jamie pendleton moved with every bump in the road as if it were somehow still alive. But like the dead leaves that blew upward in the wind along the river, seemingly lifted aloft by their own motion, he too was curled and dried, and his living body unmistakably dead. Pendleton waited in the upper offices above the warehouse. He was quickly notified by Mino that the car had been brought back inside the plant, that his son was really dead. He was silent for some time, reflecting back on Jamie's decision As they stood near the Amenti regions of the plant, he was silent for some time, reflecting back on Jamie's original decision to defy him. If he had only said yes, he'd be alive right now. But he had stood up to Pendleton like he always did, right to the bitter end. Pendleton puffed on his cigarette, his eyes moistened from what he had ordered that evening. He looked up at the waiting Minos and raised his brows on his wrinkled forehead. Where did you say you found him? He asked, clearing his throat as he spoke. Well, he made it all the way up to Weissman's house, the front. Right on the road. Then they saw him. He asked, opening his eyes. No, 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 of course not. Are you sure? Grilled Pendleton. Yes, we're sure. We managed to drive the car away before anyone came out. Pendleton nodded. Despite the cool business exterior, the situation was getting to him. He had just liquidated his son's life. Putting the palm of his hand on his forehead, he tried to gather his thoughts. I have to get rid of the body. It's still possible that somebody saw that car pull up. Shall I bury him in the mountains? asked Minos. No, no, Dan Hastings. Maybe a small-time police chief, but he's not an idiot. He can't take the chance that they'll locate the body. I should have decided all this before. Poor judgment on my part. What about the river? We can wade it down in The Amenti region cried Pendleton as he opened his eyes. then he repeated himself. The Amenti region. When we turn on the power in 25 minutes, we'll throw the body into the Amenti region. Is that really wise, Mr. Pendleton? What problem could we have? Menos, it's only a matter of seconds. According to the theories, his body will either break up or be transported millions of light years across the universe. Yes, that is correct. If those are your orders, Yes, they are my orders, Minos. Carry them out at once. Yes, sir, but what do we do with the car? It's rented. We'll get somebody to fix it on Monday and then we'll leave it in Concord. For the meantime, just leave it where it is right now. Pendleton took a few steps forward and puffed on his cig and inhaled on a cigarette. Well, Minos, it's done. We've been dreading this for months, but it's done. We've got to move on now and make this thing work perfectly. After you take care of the body, I want special attention given to resolving the NU region problems. I want no more overlaps. If we clear up that problem, we'll be a full step closer to perfecting the entire concept of universal power. Yes, sir, I will take care of the body. Excuse me, said Minos, as if he were merely taking out the trash, and then he left the office. Pendleton sat alone in the office. He inhaled very deeply on the cigarette and once again thought about what he had done. His son's body would be sucked into the warped portion of the universe, most likely breaking apart as it withered away, This, his human spirit never to be seen again. Join us next time for My Other Face by Robert P. Fitton. Produced by Fitton Theatre of the Words.